the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that we are a lesser triunity of spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. But if our flesh is uppermost, if our mind is engaged in this world, it cannot have fellowship with God, so we have a separation from God, that our spirits and our souls need to be ignited that we might then have fellowship with God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at a message. I've already introduced this to you, but free indeed from John 8.36. And we're going to see the image of God, our first point. The second point the freedom of our spirits, the third point, the freedom of our souls, the fourth point, the freedom of our bodies. As we have memorized already, I know you guys got it down, John eight thirty six. therefore if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so Father, we ask that you would bless the teaching of your word. Help us to hear you, Lord, your voice through your spirit to our spirits this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. So the freedom of our spirits, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So in the verse itself, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the verse says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to read in each point, the point that we're looking at. So it'll read, may your whole spirit be preserved blameless. And then the next point, may your whole soul. The next point, may your whole body. So I'm going to break it up a little bit. But I'll read it each time. First Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit. He's going to sanctify us. Hagiazo is the Greek word and it means to dedicate, to separate, to set apart for God. Spirit is... Pneuma in the Greek, and it speaks about this spirit of life that resides in man. And the thing is, I really want to, and it's difficult, and I'm, I've studied it this week, and we, myself, and probably you as well, will walk away maybe asking, what is the difference between the soul and spirit? There is a difference. The Bible specifies a difference in several different places. We're going to read those verses. We kind of get confused on this issue, but there is a difference between our spirit 
and our soul. Why? Because the Bible told me so. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, right? Because the Bible tells me so. So there is a difference. We have a difficulty maybe of understanding the difference, but there's one thing we understand about the Spirit. It is the vehicle within our bodies that we're able to commune with God. Remember that I've already read to us concerning the Spirit in John 4.24, God is Spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And so the Spirit is the vehicle by which we are able to worship God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So God has, it's not just an intellectual thing, our minds, but the Spirit itself. The natural man, the mind, apart from the Spirit of man, he's unable to understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. The Spirit of man must be engaged. Our spirits must be engaged to have a right relationship with God. The salvation that Jesus Christ affords to us is that we might be, listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that he himself might sanctify you completely, completely or wholly, the whole spirit, soul, and body. That's the order of the verse. The whole spirit, soul, and body. So the triunity or lesser triunity that the Lord has created us in his image of spirit, soul, and body. Jesus Christ died that our spirits might be set free and that we might be able to commune with him, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4 tells us, but if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. That there is a veil that is placed over the hearts and the eyes and the spirits of those in our country throughout the world, those who do not recognize Jesus Christ. There is this veil that the God of this age, Satan, has placed upon the people. And this veil, sadly, is even coming into the church. And there are those pastors and pulpits today who are no longer teaching the truth of the word of God, but they are teaching a social gospel, whatever the whims of the world or country might be, that's where they follow. And yet we will discover that those whims will always change. They'll never be the same. There's no constant because they have no moral standard. Their truth to them is relative. It's ever-changing. It's whatever I believe, that's what I believe. What's truth for you is truth for you. What's truth for me is truth for me. No moral standard. God's word becomes that moral standard for us. If we begin to drift away from what the word of God says, then we drift away from that moral standard. We drift away from the truth that sets us free. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. 
But the Lord came, he died, he ascended to heaven, and he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church. He said, Jesus said in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So we might be thinking, Lord, how do we engage our spirit to have that fellowship with Christ? Well, we find that the Holy Spirit is working in our behalf. The Holy Spirit of God works in our behalf to engage, to awaken our spirits that we might come to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus connects this truth about the Spirit's mysterious activity in salvation when saying in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not simply a force. That word in the Greek for, actually in Hebrew and Greek, it can mean breath, it can mean wind, it can mean spirit. So the Hebrew and the Greek word, they all can have these same meaning of breath, wind, or spirit. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. It's not just a wind, not just a force. It is the Spirit of God who comes and works in our lives to draw us to the Lord. But also once we receive Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God enters into our lives and then fills us with the Holy Spirit of God himself. All three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working in our behalf that we might be saved. D.L. Moody, a great evangelist of times past. D.L. Moody, when speaking about the importance of the Spirit's work in the life of the church, he had this to say. The greatest need of the church today is more of a presence and the power of the Spirit of God. D.L. Moody, over a hundred years ago, looking at his church age, saying the greatest need of the church today is more of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. What he said then is more so true now. The greatest need of the church today is more of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. This is something that Peter acknowledged as well in Acts 2.33. He said, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, referring to Jesus Christ, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus poured out this which you see and hear. Jesus Christ, having received the promise of the Holy Spirit, poured out the Spirit upon the church, Today, in order for our spirits to truly be free, that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely in the sanctification and the work of God begins through faith in Jesus Christ, that our spirits would be set free. One of the church fathers, Augustine, said, he that is Kind is free. He that is kind is free, though he is a slave. He that is evil is a slave, though he be a king. 
We see that. We may not, in the United States, have kings. We have those, I believe, who wish they were, or queens. But he that is kind is free, though he is a slave. That's something we can all be. We can be kind as we present Christ to others. So the freedom of our souls, again, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole soul be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The soul, if we were to translate the Greek word, we would say psyche. That's how we would say it. It's very hard. Um, It's like a PSU sound in the Greek. It's very hard to say, especially for me. So we'll just go with the psyche. I can say that one. But it speaks about the essence. The soul speaks about the essence of life. The essence of life. The soul, the seat of our feelings. The Hebrews and the Greeks would think about the soul thinking about the seat of our emotions. And so when they would refer to that, they would actually refer to like the eternal organs that we have, the seat of our emotions, which is different from the spirit and that from the body. Spirit and soul. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, to the division of soul and spirit. We find, again, the Bible talking about a difference between what we often actually put together as either soul or spirit, saying they're one and the same. The Bible puts a difference between them. In fact, the Word of God can divide both soul and spirit, our psyche. Professor Jeffrey Bromilli, he's from Fuller Theological Seminary, he had this to say about psyche. Psyche is authentic life. Only as God gives it, and the one who receives it from him. The problem with psyche is that it tends to be restricted to the physical sphere instead of embracing within the sphere the gift of God that transcends death. So psyche comes, and this is the part of this I like, psyche comes to signify a life that death cannot, does not extinguish. Spirit, soul, and body. Death will extinguish this body, will destroy this body. This body will go to corruption. This tent will be put off one day. But our spirit and soul will live on. We'll have a new body from the Lord. And so we think about spirit and soul. We have to understand that it's something that's going to go with us on into eternity. Luke 1, 46 and 40. Seven, when Mary gave her praise there before Jesus was born, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Luke 146, Luke 147, my spirit has rejoiced in the God, my savior. She distinguished between her soul and spirit. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. In Psalm 63, 1. The psalmist declares, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul 
thirst for you. And here he distinguished between the soul and the flesh. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He distinguishes there between the soul and the flesh. Gleason Archer, he has a book. It's on Bible difficulty. He tried to answer all the difficult questions of the Bible. It probably could be a larger book, but he handled several of them. Of this, he said, quite clearly, the spirit and the soul are different here. He's actually commenting on 1 Thessalonians 5.23 as distinct elements of the human psyche. He's going back to that psyche, the soul. Man is represented as a triune in nature. This is exactly what we should expect if we were really created by God. That the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that we are a lesser triunity of spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. But if our flesh is uppermost, if our mind is engaged in this world, it cannot have fellowship with God, so we have a separation from God that our spirits and our souls need to be ignited that we might then have fellowship with God. The psalmist David, Psalm 16, 9 and 10, verse 10, the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament, Psalm 16, 10. But verses 9 and 10 says, Therefore, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, my flesh will also rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Why is his heart glad? Why does he glory and rejoice that his flesh will rest in hope? Because his soul will not be left in shield, or the Hebrew word for hell, in shield. Because you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. Because Jesus Christ... And that's the point that is a reference in the New Testament so many times that Jesus Christ, as the Holy One of God, did not see corruption. His, his body was not left in hell. David breaks out in praise here and closes this song because David realized that his hope rested in God, that spirit, soul, and body would be saved. Think about the sailors and their SOS, save our souls. I used to think that it meant save our ships. I had it wrong. I had a sailor once after church correct me on that. Let the ship go down, but save our souls. David understood that the path of life and the fullness of joy, the pleasures forevermore comes through the salvation that only God can afford. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving in the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. Receiving in the end of your faith, when this body, this flesh is gone, we receive in the end the salvation of our souls, that which goes on into eternity. Only a few have seen our resurrected Savior. Mary Magdalene, the first, Peter, John, Paul, a few others in Scripture testified of seeing our risen Lord. The rest of us 
wait to see our Lord one day. And when we see the Lord, we will have a completion of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Charles Spurgeon said, free will carried many a soul into hell, but never a soul into heaven. We have free will right now. But our free will will not get us into heaven apart from the grace of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Finally, we find the necessity of the freedom of our bodies. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now, if the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our body, soma in the Greek, soma in the Greek. That's an easy one. What it says in the Greek, it is in the English. You don't have to try to figure out how to say it. Soma, it speaks about, when you come to the Greek word, it could talk about plant life, tree life, grass that grows, but also specifically of our bodies, the living being. And we find the soma is the instrument of our spirit and our souls. The soma becomes that instrument. Our body is that instrument of our spirit and soul through which we can worship God. So it's the means today by which we worship God. It is that which we can identify with one another, our soma, our bodies. We worship God. We can express it through our bodies. While we worship God in the spirit, while our soul longs for the living God, it's through our physical bodies that we're able to express that worship of Jesus Christ in tangible ways. John 3, 5, and 6, we go back to Nicodemus again. Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless you are born again, you must be born again. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus asked God, How can a man be born again? Can a man who is old be put back into the womb of his mother? Nicodemus was thinking fleshly. It's like, wait, this doesn't work. He had a mental picture that was just wrong. And Jesus said, no, that which is born of water, talking about the physical birth, that which is born of water, born of the flesh, is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Just as we have been born physically, being born of water, we also must be born spiritually, born of the Spirit. Both were beyond our own doing. There was a man, I believe it was last year or two years ago, that wanted to sue his parents for being born. He was like 38 years old, and he he thought, man, I didn't ask to come into this world, so mom, dad, you need to take care of me forever. He was a baby that never grew up. We hate to see our babies grow up, but you don't want your babies to say babies and never grow up. He sued his parents. It was in Europe. What happens in Europe probably won't stay in Europe. He said, I didn't ask to be born. So mom, dad, you need to take care of me. Just a fat little baby. He wants his bottle and he doesn't mean maybe. A line from an Amy Grant song from a long time ago. 
that which is born of flesh is flesh. We didn't ask to be born into this world, but we were brought into this world. We were brought into a world that was that is fallen. And we were brought into this world as fallen creatures in need of salvation through Jesus Christ. Our spirits need to be birthed, something which only God can do. Only through faith in Jesus Christ does our spirit find its rightful position, thus bringing our whole spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, into fellowship with the triunity of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is through our soma, our flesh, the instrument of our spirits, our bodies, our souls, that we can express our worship of God and seek salvation that only God can provide. All three must work together, the whole spirit, soul, and body, that he would redeem us completely, wholly, both spirit, soul, and body. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let go.